Welcome to the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast. This thing is huge. It's the greatest, most outrageous, incredibly fun podcast on the internet today. It's all about the Don. The most spectacular entrepreneur alive today. For entrepreneurs who also want to dominate their market and destroy their competition. You should be your competition's huge problem. This is the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast with Steve Cypress and Everett Fornell. Welcome to another episode of the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast, the most huge, fantastic, chaotic, crazy podcast in the history of the internet. Speaking of which, other than the chaotic part, I happen to have the world's greatest, hugest, most unbelievable co-host, Mr. Everett Farnell. Hey, Steve, I got to tell you something. I think we have accomplished everything I set out to accomplish with the podcast, so... I'm, uh, you know, I, I have some other options, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, am gray. Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, I was very successful before I came to the podcast. Not like I need the podcast. I agreed to come to the podcast for a while, but uh, you know, now I'm going to just going to go back and running a successful business and do what I was doing. I mean, I'm going to leave the podcast. The podcast is in chaos. <laughs> it's the most chaotic podcast ever. It's not. It's crazy. But we have accomplished. Our goals with the with the podcast in record time, faster yeah. than anybody in the history. of You know, the podcast we thought we'll we'll be on the podcast for four years to say everything we need to say, but then we've said it already in a hundred and one episodes. We've pretty much said everything, and we're both leaving, and therefore this is by definition the most chaotic podcast in the history of all time of podcasting. Both co-hosts are leaving. It's chaotic. <laughs> It's crazy. It's crazy. The, whoever's running this podcast is incompetent and unfit because the entire <laughs> podcast is chaotic. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That's us. Who's <laughs> <laughs> wow. running this thing anyway? Okay, oh. well, listeners, as usual, we joke at the outset because the topic for this week's Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast is the anti-Trumpers are just chomping at the bit to come out and talk about how unprecedentedly chaotic the Trump White House is. And he doesn't know what he's doing because people just keep leaving. More people are leaving and key people leaving than ever before. It's unbelievable. And, and Everett, I don't know about you, but my immediate thought was like, of course they are. Of course they are, because every other White House that I've been alive and been through 10 of them or whatever is filled with lifetime government workers to whom the apex of their entire career is to finally get to be in the White House. You know, they followed Clinton from Arkansas to wherever to this and that, and they're finally getting to be an aide in the White House. they got nowhere else to go. If they get fired, it's the worst thing that could possibly happen to them. And if they if they would even think of leaving, what are they going to do? They'd be disgraced. Their, their whole life is government, and they're in Washington, D.C., and why would they ever want to leave? They're in, the, they're in the, the epicenter of American politics. Well, now you flip it to the Trump White House, which is filled with successful billionaires and people from all over other industries thinking, what the hell do I want to take a step down 
this latest guy, Gary, well, probably as of recording of this, is probably not the latest guy. It's probably two, three more people left today. <laughs> but it's like Gary Cohn, who was his top economic advisor. Oh, he's leaving. It's chaotic. Oh, yeah. And where's he leaving, too? Is he in disgrace going like, oh, crap, I don't get to be in Washington, D.C. anymore and work for low money with everyone over my shoulder recording all my phone calls and emails and watching everything I do and, and being anti trumped in the papers every day for what I'm doing wrong and how bad I'm. No, you know what? I'm going back to Goldman Sachs. I'm going to go back to making tens of millions of dollars a year living in my cushy Upper East Side $10 million penthouse apartment eating caviar every night with my friends back up in New York. Get out of the cesspool of Washington, D.C. Because you know what? I came here to get tax reform and tax cuts done and I got that done. And why should I be sitting here for another three years? The second something comes up and Trump says, oh, I'm going to do tariffs, I'll just act like, oh, that's it. If you go through with that, that's it. I'm leaving, and I'll come up with some excuse to get the heck out of this cesspool of American politics and go back to the beautiful life of American business. So, of course, they're leaving. Yeah, the guy is, I feel bad for him. He's probably ashamed to have to <laughs> quit and, uh, you know, go back to his hundred million terrible he has to leave the 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 whatever home i'm sure he's living in a nice home somewhere in dc but he has to leave the swampy dc i mean i get sick every time i go to the city it's so miserably politically corrupt and go back to the upper east side of new york city and get in a limo and go a few blocks every day to goldman sachs and have a private life make who knows how many hundreds of times the money, have <laughs> yeah, the enjoyment, right. be with his family and his friends. Uh, do, you think, do you really think Gary Cohn has any friends or family anywhere near Washington, D.C.? Uh, not unless he flew them in. I mean, I know a bunch of these people, <laughs> like they go home, like Trump does. Every Friday night, he can't scramble the hell out of that cesspool piece of crap city fast enough. He is somewhere every weekend. Get me the hell out of here. I saw that last weekend he flew down to Mar-a-Lago, Florida for one day. Friday night he just flew down, he had a fundraiser, and then he had to fly back for something Saturday morning. He's like, get me out of Washington every weekend, and I wouldn't yeah. put it past just about everybody else there to do the same thing. And, you know, he, poor Trump, he's roughing it on Air Force One. Exactly. You know, well, so is Gary Cohn. Gary Cohn is, rough, is, is, have, is taking a step down to whatever office he has. Picture this. Gary Cohn's office, whatever it is in the West Wing or wherever it is in the White House, and compare that to the office that he must have had as the head of Goldman Sachs in a ridiculous view of Central Park, Park Avenue, 4,000 square foot office with the finest furniture and everything from all over the world and sitting there and anything he wanted, to working in a cra- an office in the White House on the ground floor with no view, no anything, no... I mean, come on, is it really a question that people are leaving the Trump White House? I suspect that his coat closet in Goldman was bigger than his office at the White House. There's almost no doubt that his private bathroom, (laughs) I believe, was bigger than his entire office in the White House. That's a good point. That if he, he probably said that every day. When they said, hey, you're going to work for this, great. Here's the White House, Obama's gone, the transition, you're coming in, and like, here's your office. And he said, all right, so this is this is about the size of a place where I take a dump every day. Where's my so this where's is my, my desk going to be? This is where this is where my secretary was. My sister, <laughs> yeah. right? This is where my secretary's private bathroom is about this size. Now where's my office? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, it's shocking <laughs> that people are leaving the Trump White House. I, I'm absolutely shocked. Hope Hicks, we talked about her last week. She left it within like three days of leaving. She signed a $10 million book deal. Right. Why well, didn't and, she leave and, a week before? 
a month Here's, before, six months before. I can't even believe anyone is still there in the Trump White House. What are you thinking? Well, and here's the point. We're having a little fun. But the point is, what was the number you said? Trump in the first year has accomplished Well, I read something that said uh, in the first year in the White House, or as of now, a little over a year, he's already accomplished 60-something percent of his agenda. Okay, so how does Well, for Gary Cohn, in particular, it was 100% of the agenda. Gary Cohn came with the express purpose of affecting tax reform and tax cuts. And I don't know why. I do have an idea why he's still there a few months later, because he's waiting for something to come up economically where he can make up and say, Trump, this is a red line, knowing he's going to impose the tariffs and say, therefore, he woke up one day and said, therefore, I know, I'll just act like I'm against tariffs, and I'll go tell Trump, if you go through with these tariffs, I'm out of here. Honey, it's brilliant. I'm out of here. So my point being, though, that how did Trump, usually eight years or four years in the presidency or even eight years in the presidency, and they get like 1% of their agenda done. Right. Trump got 60% in, according to this article, a little over a year. How? It's because he's hiring extraordinarily effective, extraordinarily successful people. And because of that success, they have somewhere to go. So that's, you know, I mean, that's what we're joking about with these guys. They leave and this guy goes back home and goes back to, to Goldman. It's he goes like to Goldman leaves. Sachs. Hope Hicks goes to write yeah. a book, a, a book with a ghostwriter, no, almost no doubt. She just gets to go talk to somebody a little bit and collect $10 million. Right. I mean, and on and on and on and on. Omarosa gets to leave and go back on another reality TV show and get some more fame and write another book or do whatever she's going to do. Everybody that leaves the Trump White House, like you said, they came there from greater success they're going to go back to that success and you're right when trump has accomplished 60 percent of his agenda he didn't do that alone there's individuals tasked with with all those different areas and the second each individual is done with whatever they were tasked to do why would they stay now now, so jared kushner who supposedly is tasked with bringing peace to the middle east that means long after Trump is gone, he has to still be there. Because there will never be peace in the Middle East. So that <laughs> guy's stuck there forever, unfortunately, because right. he shouldn't even be there to begin with. But I digress. If you're going to bring in successful people, I mean, good luck to keep them there. It's, it's, oh, you should thank yourself every day that they're still there. And that's the lesson for our listeners this week, is that when you do what, what you mentioned earlier, Steve, you have people come along with you and you were made some comment about somebody sticking with the Clintons out of Little Rock and all the way and through and up the bottom. So when you have those kind of people, yes, they're going to stick with you forever, but they're also only going to be as successful as they're going to be. But when you go and find people who are extraordinarily successful and bring them into your business, they're not going to stay forever, most likely. What they're going to do is they're going to stay until working with you has accomplished whatever goal they set out to accomplish, and then they're going to go do their own thing. Right, so what we're really talking about is the pros and cons of of promoting from within or hiring from without. Right, right. And so so for a small business owner, let's say a small business owner owns a beauty salon and says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the local beauty school, and I'm going to get some of these girls and their guys or whatever in their last year of the school. They need to be an apprentice and work hands-on in a shop, and I'll subsidize their tuition a little bit, and I'll pay them, and I'll tell them, you know, when you graduate and get your degree, you have a seat right here or the chair, and you're going to work for me. And they'll be loyal, and they'll stay, and they're like, this is going to be my career. But what if he says, I know what I'm going to do. 
I'm, Mary across town has a salon that's not doing so well. I'm going to go over to Mary and say, hey, why don't you come work for me, and you won't have to have all the stress and all the bills and all the everything that you can't pay anyway of running your business, but you can come work for me and bring all your people with you, and you can also, I'll make you right away the director of the techs and the training tech, and you'll have a great vaulted position. In my co- and like, what a brilliant thing that is. But understand that Mary is not likely to stay that long with you. Mary's thinking might be, you know what, I'm going to do this. She has a discussion with her husband. Okay, we're going to close down the shop. That's going to save all the stress and quit cutting into our savings and, and cracking up the credit cards to, to try and keep this thing afloat. I'm going to go across town, work for Joe's place for like a year year or two just to get my feet settled and get back and then I'm going to go back and reopen again and that is what they're thinking a lot of the time when you hire from without and you bring in a key employee that's there's almost no doubt that's what almost every Trump White House person is thinking including by the way it always amazed me that Trump would want more than one term why Trump is going to accomplish pretty much everything he wants to accomplish in one term. And why would he want to run again other than, not the topic of this week's episode, but the guy has obviously the world's, one of the world's largest egos of all time, and he just has to run again, <laughs> I mean, I guess. But, like, why would he? Why would he? He's 70-something years old. Go back to New York, get back on a better private plane, in better living conditions, get back to a better life. But at least everyone that works for him seems to be on that track. So next time you see somebody leave the White House and the anti-Trumpers proclaim how, how chaotic it is, think again and realize, of course they're leaving. They came from somewhere better. They're slumming it in D.C. for a little while to help out Trump or to help out their country or to do whatever. But they're moving on, and it's the same thing in your business. That's the lesson learned. You're living by the sword. You're dying by the sword. Am I right, Everett? Absolutely. And you can make incredibly powerful leaps by bringing in experienced people who can help advance your business. But you just understand they're going to help advance your business, and then they're going to go on down the road. So nothing wrong with doing it. It's a smart thing to do. But everything we do in business, we've got to keep our eyes open. You can't walk through the jungle of business with your eyes shut because you will get taken out. Well, that happened to me when I went to work as a consultant for a Yellow Page advertiser, Yellow Page publisher, for three and a half years. I remember when I went in for the interview with the division manager who ran the whole office, one of six divisions in the country, and and I you know, went right up to him for my final interview, and he looked and he said, we don't hire people like you. I was a business owner my whole life. He's like, we don't bring in a business owner. We bring in people who want to sell advertising. He goes, you are already a successful and knowledgeable consultant on advertising for small business owners. So, of course, I'm going to bring you in because you're going to do great things for our advertisers, and you're likely going to really help the people in the office, too, and teach them a thing or two about how to treat the advertisers and how to, uh, you know, I'm going to bring you in for that, but I don't know how long you're going to stay. And it costs me a lot of money to train somebody, but against everyone else's judgment here, I'm going to take a chance and I'm going to bring in. And I really respected the guy. He told me right away when he hired me, he didn't know how long I would last, but he figured it was going to be for the best. And I I remember it was three and a half years later when I called him, because he had now gotten promoted to where he was VP of the company. And I called him. He was in wherever he was now, in Denver or something. He had moved to, and I, I let him know I was leaving. And first of all, he said, I heard. And what was I thinking? Of course he heard. I mean, I, the second I told the, the new manager that took over him that morning, and I left. As soon as I got home and I called Robin, he was like, I heard. Like, okay, of course you heard. The top rep in the history of the company left the company. I'm pretty sure the VP that hired him heard. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't realize that. But then I'm like, and then he, I said, you know, I left because... 
I, he said, yeah, I, you know, remember, I, I, did, I knew you lasted three and a half years. That was longer than I thought. But we appreciate that what you did while you were there and uh, blah, 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 blah. And I said, yeah, I'm leaving because I want to work with, with better clients. And he said, yeah, but the main thing is you don't want to have to work with the bad ones. And I was like, right, that's exactly right. right. I mean, when they handed me a list and said, here's your 100 clients, go help them, I would walk in and probably, uh, according to the Pareto principle, 80% of them, you know, the 80-20 rule, 80% of them were like, yeah, no, we're happy with our crappy ad, although they didn't use the word crappy, but we're happy with our ad, we don't want you to make any changes. And I'm like, holy moly, I mean, your ad is terrible, and you don't want any changes, but the 20% that said, yeah, okay, you know, make some changes, man, they they set records with their air ad, was bringing in calls and whatever, so I did a lot of good, but I, I was also frustrated the whole time I was there that I had to work with clients that didn't want my help or pushed back or were difficult to work with, not to mention the whole bureaucracy of working, which is relating to the White House. It was this whole bureaucracy of, a, of having a cubicle and working for a, a corporation instead of being my own boss, and, and clearly he knew that I was going to come there and then I was going to move back on to something better, but he took advantage of the short time I was there. And if anyone would have come in from the outside and said, oh, what a chaotic office that guy is running, they would have shown, betrayed their complete lack of understanding of the situation, like the anti-Trumpers do when they call the Trump White House chaotic as if that's a bad thing. I think that ties it up beautifully. Uh, it's a great uh, a great example when you went to work for the Yellow Pages and how much money you made them. And unfortunately, they did didn't use any of the stuff that you suggested. They didn't. Well, they did. You know, they, they did. They didn't use again probably eighty twenty rule. They didn't use eighty percent of it. But not only did they yeah. use some of it to fantastic results, but some of the reps that I work with are still there and are still using. The, I, I, once in a while, you know, I talk to them or they, you know, I see it's their birthday on Facebook or they send a message or something and they're like, yeah, they're still there and they're still using the stuff I taught them to serve their clients better, to sell better company is better off, and so it ends up that Robin was right, that even in the short time I was there, oh, and by the way, I was a handful while I was there. I was unmanageable while I was there, and I was always <laughs> doing incredibly, I'll tell you just one thing, and then I'll, I'll let our listeners go, but I had outside my cubicle, I took a photo that I found somewhere, and I enlarged it, and I printed it out, and I stapled it to the outside of my cubicle. It was a guy as a one-man band. So this guy was like on a unicycle, juggling a xylophone and playing a whatever and blowing a horn and like he had like 40 instruments while he's on a unicycle. And I put that on the outside of the cubicle. People would walk by and go like, what is that? I'm like, that's all of us. That's me. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, look, I'm a highly competent salesperson. I'm the best salesperson anyone's ever seen here. I'm the best marketing advisor for all these advertisers anyone's ever seen. However, I also need to do my own paperwork, upload all the symbols for all the ads I'm creating and put them into the computer system. Then I have to proofread them. I have to set all my own appointments. I, if somebody's behind on their bill, I have to call them and collect payment on their bill. I have to do everything here. Now, do you think that this guy is the world's greatest keyboard player? Well, of course, he couldn't possibly be because he's playing 40 different instruments. So you've got people here that are really good at sales, but you have us doing all kinds of other stupid things, and you're messing us up. And I would do stuff like that all the time. I was always creating trouble. One time, I'll tell you one more, which is my favorite one, actually. They had an annual artist contest. So all the artists, the graphic artists that created the ads, you know, when the, when the Yellow Page or any other advertiser tells a business owner, hey, and no charge will create the ad for you, you need to run in the other direction because they suck at creating ads. Right. They don't know anything about creating ads. Your ad's going to look the same as everyone else and suck the same as everyone else. 
And so these ad, they had an annual contest. So they, each graphic artist got to enter their favorite ad of the year that they had created. And they, I'm laughing just thinking about it. They put it into the contest and they sent it around. Well, I printed those out. I printed them each out. I put them on my cubicle and I took a big red mark and I put a big rig X over all of them. I wrote, sucks, sucks. Sucks, sucks <laughs> over all 20 of them or however many there were. And the manager comes by and he goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, those all unbelievably suck. And if you have about an hour, I will go over each one and tell you why they all suck so bad and all the things they're doing wrong that are causing the advertisers to pay more money and get less calls, which is all I care about. So they all suck. And not only am I not voting any for them, but I'm ashamed that they're all actually in the contest and one of these is actually going to win when the only people these are good for are the artists because they look good. And maybe right. they're good in the short term for the sales rep because he sold an ad. But in the long term, they're all canceling these ads. They all suck. None of them are going to work. And they said, look, you've got to take those down. You can't be doing that. These, these graphic <laughs> artists are people, and you're hurting their feelings. And that, you know, cause that's who reported it to them. And, and, and by the way, so what do you think happened the next year in the annual artists ad contest? Uh, I would suspect there was the none. Week. Of course, they never yeah. had the contest ever again. <laughs> You know, here's the thing. Nobody ever, uh, uh, nobody ever uh, tells copywriters that you know you can't, you can't be, you can't be bad, you you can't beat up the copy, you can't be, uh, you know, you can't criticize the copy because uh, uh, copywriters are people too. You'll never hear that. That's They're true, like, Ever. What if they told you the copy has to all be the same font and look good and be centered, and that's really what all that matters about the copy, mm -hmm. not how well it sells, just how good it right. looks. And it's how pretty. Good it looks. It's got to be pretty. How well, uh, how, how, how well it follows the MLA. Uh, That's the what MLA I told him. I said, yeah, all these things are perfectly sent, and they're beautiful, and they're pretty, and none of them sells a damn thing. Right. Anyway, so I created such amazing chaos and disruption in that office, and I criticized just about everything the corporation did at all times. I never showed up at their meetings. I, I mean, finally, the, from I would show up and sit in the back and grumble and bumble and make my own comments under my breath at every time they had a sales meeting, whatever. Finally, the manager was like, look, do me a favor. Don't come to the, to the meetings anymore. Don't come to the Monday meetings. Love You're it. excused for the Monday meetings. You don't come in. I would come in late. You guys, you know, it's, just, it's not good when you come in late. It shows disrespect. Just don't come in at all. And I was like, awesome. I don't have to come in to the Monday. I'm proving that I rolled out of bed to the job that I hate meeting because I actually don't hate my job. I'm actually going to go out and help some more advertisers today, and I love what I'm doing. So you don't have to get me out of bed with a 9 a.m. Monday meeting. I'm already up in wherever at an appointment with somebody at 8 a.m., and you're taking money out of my pocket to sit through a stupid meeting of your corporation. So I was just such hell, and anyone on the outside, if there were 10 of me, would have said this is the most chaotic office in the history of any company. And yet, that's how things get done. Yeah, the most chaotic office and the best uh, the office that sold more, sold more ads. Than oh, we broke all kinds office. of red. We, went, we were the lowest of the six divisions. We were the lowest when I joined, and that year we won and became number one. And so, but now, was that all because of me? No, of course, I'm not saying that was all because of me. I have a feeling it had something to do with it. The fact that my entire team of the eight reps that worked for the assistant 
assistant manager that we worked for, all eight of us won the award that year and won the trip to wherever in the contest, and our manager was number one in the company, might have had something to do with the fact that I was there, I'm just saying. So when you see the Trump White House and he's brought in the, 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 the successful people that are there slumming it for a little while and go back to something better, yeah, you could say it's chaotic. In your business, if you want to make the most massive change, you bring in the very best talent you can get. Just understand, they're likely not going to last forever with you, and it's likely going to be very difficult to manage them, and it's going to be chaos. So your decision, if you want the lower level, lower attitude people that have less ambition and therefore will work less hard and bring in less knowledge, but they'll stay with you forever? Or do you want to really go out there and put yourself out there and say, I'm going to have a real difficult time managing a chaotic group of high achievers, but that's what I want. Your choice. Which leads us actually to our advanced tip of the week, where we talk about that and more. You go to lessons learned from DonaldTrump.com, as always, and you get our advanced tip of the week. Well, I don't want to start giving away the advanced tip, so I'm not going to say anything else because, I, like I said, I don't want to give it away. But I will say that this is an unusually long podcast because this is a critical piece of information. So you can just imagine how much more important the advanced tip is. So get over there. Get on the schedule for the advanced tip. You've just listened to the most terrific podcast on the Internet today. If you want to be a winner like Trump. Make sure to go listen to the rest of the episodes and get our advanced tip of the week by going to lessons learned from DonaldTrump.com. And join us next time, unless you like being a loser. Some people do. Trust me.